0: Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 164, Minds Can Pair. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. And welcome back to this five-episode series on what minds do. So um, in the last episode, we talked about how minds worry, all of them. It's just what they do. It doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean anything about your life. It's not telling you that there's something bad coming your way. It's just a mind doing what a mind does, making up stories about things that possibly might, what if, could happen at some other point. Not now. They're not happening now, but they might possibly could, what if, they happen at some other point in the future. And then we experience those stories as if they're absolutely valid and true and happening now. So that's worry. That's just what minds do. And in today's episode, we'll talk about comparing because comparing is another thing that minds do. And I think it's so, like all of these things we'll talk about, it's um, it's so helpful to see how minds doing this is rooted in intelligence, that there's a perfectly great reason for it. It was absolutely essential at one time, but that doesn't mean it's essential or necessary or helpful today. And I, I just, I love that piece of this. I, I think we We can lose sight of that and we can't emphasize it enough that every single thing that our brain has evolved to do, all these thoughts that come up, like they, on some bigger level, they kind of make sense. I mean, you can't make sense of them. So that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can make sense of the content of your thinking. Don't even try, you definitely can't. (laughs) But that a mind is doing what a mind is doing. Now that makes some sense. There is a good reason for it even if it's absolutely not helpful or accurate right now today. So comparing is one of those things, you know, it's like our brain has evolved to to try to predict what's going to happen because it thinks that's what's going to keep us safe. And part of like probably the biggest thing behind predicting is knowing something. <laughs> like like the more our brain thinks it can know, the more certainty it thinks it has around something, anything. It's just a huge know-it-all. It It just wants to know everything. The more certainty it has, the more predictive ability it has, and the more it feels like it's doing its job. So it goes around just trying to gain information, nail things down, uh, decide what's what, tell you what's what, And especially when it comes to this idea that your mind created called you and your life. Your mind creates your identity, who it says you are. It created that, this collection of images and thoughts and memories, which are just thoughts and really just thoughts, (laughs) all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of costumes. Our mind just spits those out. Glues them together, slaps a label on it that says, Here's you. We better know a lot about you because you're very, very important. Everything I'm going to talk about, says your mind, is going to revolve around you because you are my responsibility. I am here to keep you safe and alive. So I'm going to make everything revolve around you. I'm going to talk about you all the time. And in doing that, I need to know you. Like, you need to know you. I mean, we need to figure out who is this, who is this person called Amy or whatever your name is. So comparison is a, is a really huge part of that. Now, you know, our mind as a, as a machine, I mean, everything is about concepts and language and relativity. Everything's relative to everything else that's the thing in concepts and language. There's, We aren't just, see, there's no words for it because <laughs> I'm trying to talk about what's sort of the opposite of or the other side of language and concepts and you can't talk about it. Literally, by definition, you can't talk about it because there's, there's no words for it. But it's like a mind can't grasp everything. Or nothing like it can't it can grasp ideas of everything or nothing, but it can't grasp infinity or allness or isness or like just the huge enormity of of this one energy that is everything. a mind can never grasp that because in a sense it's it's not i mean not in a sense truly it's not a thing, so there's no Word to describe it there's no no concept to slap on it, so our mind deals in the opposite of that. It lives in the realm of again concepts and labels and language, and everything has to become a thing because think about it I mean to your brain, if it can name something and it can it can attach more words to it, like here's Here's a book, and here's what you do with books, and here's what we think about books, and here's whether we like books or not and and here's some stories and memories about books. like now you know a lot. now you can see a book and you and you think you know a lot. Now, of course, we really do gain a lot by that. We're not walking through the world like babies where everything's completely brand new. We gain a lot and we lose a lot. so so it is what it is, but we just want to see how this goes. So back to comparison. So in comparison, again, this is such an amazing tool that our brain uses, that our mind uses to to know more or to give itself or give us the illusion that it knows a lot more. Because in the world of concepts and language, everything is relative to everything else, including you. So there's not just you, but there's how you stack up on all these deep, different features and qualities and aspects of life against all these other people, including how you stack up to the you that you used to be or the you that you're going to be, all a ton of thought. Only a mind can make this stuff up. There is no you that used to be. There is no you that will be. There's just right now. There is no you. There's just right now. But, but a creative mind that lives in this sort of linear plane is going to kind of create all these ideas and concepts and compare them all to each other. It will compare you to all the people around you. You know this. It does this all the time. And it's just so important that we see that this is happening. So I was thinking about um, papers you used to have to write in like middle school or high school or test questions, those big open-ended essay test questions that everyone hated because you couldn't just guess. <laughs> you couldn't just pick C. You had to actually write something in there. And and I remember that this phrase, I don't know if you remember it, but compare and contrast. And you knew as soon as you got a compare and contrast question, like, oh, this is going to take a while. I need to actually use my brain here and think about this. So We'd have to compare and contrast you know two characters in a book or two u s presidents or something like that and you can see why i mean it's a it's a valuable exercise if if you're telling someone to compare and contrast two things, I can still feel it in my head, the feeling of seeing that huge open space on the on the test paper and knowing, oh my gosh, I have to really think about this, compare and contrast. So you hold one in your mind, like maybe you're comparing two Shakespeare plays or something, you think about one play, you think about its features, you think about the other one, you think about its features and its qualities, you compare them, you pit them against each other, you say how they're the same, you say how they're different. It's a huge mental exercise that's really a great intellectual exercise. In theory, anyway, you come away from that exercise feeling like you have probably a lot more thoughts about the things that you're comparing and contrasting, probably a lot of new thoughts about, about even like, you know, how they go together and and not just these two things, but like just the act of comparing and contrasting them. Probably shows you some stuff it 's a great intellectual exercise. You can see why it 's on all these tests now, that doesn 't mean that your your specific answer on that test was helpful or accurate for you like it 's a big in general. you know in general it 's a great intellectual exercise to think a lot about a couple things and see how they go together and how they 're different. But, you know, you can be comparing two U.S. presidents and you will you will be coming at it from the way things look to you in that moment, from the thoughts that show up in that moment, from the features that you're able to see in that moment. Your comparison, your comparing and contrasting can be incredibly biased. It's not like the output is, you know, a... Allows you to arrive at some super accurate conclusions. it's just an exercise to to get kids thinking or adults thinking it's It's something that's more about the process than it is about the output. You see that? I could compare Donald Trump and Bill Clinton, and I'm going to do it in a very different way than if my mother did it. <laughs> very very different output. Now the mental process is going to be a similar mental process. The output's going to be different. That's exactly how our mind works. That's exactly what we're looking at and what we're talking about in these things that minds do. They are universal things that minds do. That they, they are processes that are rooted in intelligence. It's a brain trying to keep us safe and help us survive. And to do that, it needs to know a lot of stuff. So it goes about this universal process. And at one point in time, that universal process kept us alive. When, when you know, threats to our survival were around every corner hundreds of thousands of years ago, when we could compare and contrast I'm a little bit hungry versus I'm on the verge of starvation, that was important to know. When we could compare and contrast different animals that were running after us, that was stuff was important to know. It was life or death important to know. So our brain got so good at, at this process, but that doesn't mean that the output, especially today, does anything for us. It doesn't mean there's any accuracy in that. And that's what we need to see because nowadays our mind walks around comparing and contrasting us with everyone around us. There's all when there's a comparison, there's always a a better or worse. It's it's a relative judgment, right? It's a judgment. There's always a better or worse. There's always someone coming out on top and someone coming out on bottom. And if we don't know better, that's torture. It's like torture. The way that that our mind does this and we believe it and we think it's personal and meaningful. You know, the way we just go on social media and our mind says, oh my God, I was just just today talking with, writing with someone on our Little School Big Change forum around this. Like she says she's preparing for, a lot of big stuff coming up in her life and caring for an elderly parent and all of this stuff, and feeling horrible, really feeling horrible, but a lot of it she said is is she shouldn't be feeling horrible. Why should you not be feeling horrible? Well, I don't know. I go on Facebook and I look at everybody else, and they don't seem to be horrible, and then I conclude that you know it's just not fair, and my life sucks, and I feel the wrong way, even though I'm not in charge of my feelings, even though I just feel whatever shows up, it shouldn't be happening. It's wrong. Because, she reasons, I look around and everyone else seems happy or happier than me anyway. Isn't that the most (laughs) like normal conclusion you can come up with? But think about this. If we've all felt that, If we've all felt that at times, we all look around, we all go on Instagram and see everyone else's pictures and everyone else's life, and something in us just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't sit well. If that's happening to most of us or all of us from time to time, how can that possibly have any accuracy to it? even if it's not, even if, if you were the only one, and I, I promise you, you're not, even if you were the only one that feels that, how can it possibly have any accuracy? It's literally your mind looking at a picture and drawing a ton, a ton of conclusions about what someone else's picture means about you and your life. And it happens in a split second. And then we walk through life in a bad mood feeling like we've missed out or we're doing it wrong or we should have made some different choices or whatever our whatever conclusions show up we walk around living in them as if they mean something as if there's some shred of accuracy there and i just i guess again it's everything we're talking about about what minds do they're not going to stop doing it they shouldn't they don't need to but it's just so important so important to just take a look at this, to just not be completely blind to it, as we all are, you know, at times. We're all completely blind to it. We've just we're just a fish in water until we can wake up and take a look and just see for yourself. Don't take my word for it or anyone else's word for it, but just genuinely get curious about that this. Like how can our minds constant comparisons, where we often come out on the bottom? have any accuracy to them, even when they feel and look, even when our mind is saying, well, clearly, (laughs) look at them. They're smiling on vacation and you're crying on your bathroom floor. Clearly, they're doing something right and you're wrong. As true as that can feel, really, honestly, how can it be? How can we possibly know this? We can't possibly know it but we live our lives as if we can. And given that our mind is always going to compare, we can know by how we feel. Like given that it's always going to compare, I mean, uh, we can know in many ways. We can know by looking. We can know by being curious about it. And, And I think the more we're curious about the stuff we're believing, and when we, especially when we don't feel well, what's going on when we don't feel well what lie is being told when we don't feel well that'll wake you up to some of your mind's comparisons and its judgments and what it has told you about you and what you have what we kind of take as truth when it shows up in our experience so we get a ton of feedback so we'll notice like the more i think we're in this process of just being skeptical and and questioning when we don't feel well. And when I say don't feel well, I just mean like emotionally in any way. When when we don't feel well, we don't feel like ourselves. We don't feel at home. Always, always, always there is some mental story happening that we've just bought into that we haven't even realized. And and it's not your fault. <laughs> we've been conditioned and taught to just take this stuff as truth. So it's, it's not a blame game. This is just kind of you know, a really helpful feedback system that we have that we don't feel well and we get to to stop and let that be a pause for us and say, oh, I'm believing something. Some comparison process, I've come out on the bottom again. And it just looks true to me. And whether we can identify what it is or not doesn't really matter. We don't need to go into the content or the story. You just know that it's happened. You know, okay, my mind is doing one of the things minds do. And it's a mind at work, period. A mind at work doesn't really matter what it's saying. So, in the book, just a thought. I in the chapter around minds compare. Um, I wrote about. I gave a couple examples, but I wrote about how um, in the Little School of Big Change six week course, there. I don't even know if this is true so much anymore, but it used to be a thing for a while that somewhere around the halfway point of the course, people, like you would feel a shift where minds would start to rev up. So early on, everybody's just hopeful and excited. And often right off the bat, people are hearing brand new things and they're seeing things and feeling amazing, maybe noticing already some change right off the bat. Um, And if not, (laughs) here's the thing, like if not, It's, it doesn't matter. There's no timetable on any of this. There's no good or bad, no right or wrong. It's all happening perfectly. But it's, people's experience is more about the story they're telling. So when people have some early insights or just feel like really, um, off the hook when I tell them on the first day that they don't have to take notes and they don't have to remember anything and they don't have to think about anything in particular, uh, just that alone as a lot of people like, oh, thank God, okay, I'll just come along for the ride. And already, just by that, because that's all thats all it ever is, their minds relax and they're already feeling a ton better. Their habits are less, their anxiety is less. So that happens. Sometimes people have some really big insights right off the bat. A lot of times people don't. Again, it doesn't, there's no right or wrong. There's no, no better or worse. But the thing is, I think when people hear something initially they're like woohoo this is going to work for me i'm so excited i'm going to get what i wanted from this and and when they don't their story is well okay it's still week 1 <laughs> or there's still time it's fine i'm sure i'll have my insight later i'll still get what i want from this but maybe it'll happen in a couple weeks so and this is just my theory but i think i think it's true <laughs> but so Right around the halfway point, and again, this doesn't happen as much as it used to, but it used to happen, I used to see this more a lot um, a while back. But right around the halfway point, there's sometimes, sometimes is this like hypervigilance to like, or this coming back to checking in to how am I doing? How am I doing? So by halfway point, there's, you know, again, a subset of people who are like, everything looks completely different. That's a relatively small group. There's a big chunk of people who have seen some stuff and, you know, but they want to see more. They're kind of somewhere in the middle of that bell curve. And then there's some people who are like, I don't get it. I don't know what we're talking about. I don't know if this is going to work for me. And something about that being like the halfway point, I think the explanation that our, our mind comes in and gives just changes. So again, the people who are doing great, doing great, no big deal. But for the people who haven't, Seen a lot of change yet, and they're watching everyone around them have all this change, there's a lot of comparison happening that is not in their favor, and there's a lot of worry sometimes and frustration and blaming themselves and see I knew it. this kind of stuff never works for me. And it's just so interesting to watch, because truly, truly, I swear on my life, I swear on my children's life. It means nothing what you happen to have seen or not seen by week three. Nothing. It says nothing about anything. <laughs> it says nothing about the, the, life, the life cycle of your habit. It says nothing about your personality and what always happens to people like you. It just means absolutely nothing. But you can watch a bunch of minds tell stories and compare and come up with these explanations that look absolutely solid and meaningful. And the the unfortunate part of that is when those stories and comparisons are believed, you can watch the snowball and it goes in both directions. You can watch it like, ooh, I'm one of the early ones. I had some early insights. This is helping me. I'm awesome. I'm the star student. And then you can see the other the snowball go in the other direction. Yep, I knew it. I'm giving up. Why, why did I even do this? I'm just gonna not show up, you know, like, and both of them get more of what they expect to get because that's how a mind works. Both of them get more of what they expect to get because the ones who are excited, well, they're there and they're open. Now, sometimes that excitement can cross a line to where it's not so helpful. So, you know, it's like the golden handcuffs. Like, it feels great, but the, that feeling great can become some handcuffs too. And now they, they've they taken on this identity as the one who gets it. And that, that never goes well long-term. Um, but, you know, you just see this play out. So, so... I've seen that several sessions and and Amanda and Jessica is the moderators. Like we've noted how this has happened at times. And again, sometimes it doesn't happen so much. But think about it even in just like a more traditional school. I mean, I've seen this with my own kids in a traditional school. when, When my daughter struggles with math one day, and I literally mean one day, struggles with math, the thought comes in why is this hard for me? It doesn't seem hard for other people. Or, oh, I got a C on this math test and the kid that sits next to me got a B B+. All it takes is one thought, one thought, one comparison thought that just looks meaningful and true. And before you know it, there's anxiety before the next math test. And then there's dread when it comes to the math homework. And then there's the stories that say, I'm not good at math. And then there's the genuine, legitimate, I hate math. I don't like this. I just don't like it. And and that's that's a real experience. You know, it's a real experience. The kid doesn't, this isn't exactly the story of my kid, but, but we went through some of this, but you see this in school all the time, right? Like the kid comes to not like math and truly believe that they're not good at it and they do everything to avoid it, and now they're not paying attention, and now they're not doing their homework, and now what? Well, of course, they don't aren't going to do well in math when they've completely disengaged, all because of one thought that looks true. And it's just a mind, like I hope you can see this, it is just a mind scrambling for certainty, wanting to to keep us safe and keep us, again, not in a classroom in math, it's not helpful, but in a bigger picture, if there's something that feels dangerous and like it, it's threatening to our identity that our mind created or threatening to our, our physical survival back in, back in the days when our brain was evolving, like, of course, we're going to have a high alert for that. Of course, we're then gonna gonna our mind is gonna grab that and say, "Ooh, this could be bad. Stay away." Of course, we're gonna start to disengage and start to not like it. It, it. There's almost no other option when this is just this process that's happening that goes completely unexamined. But we get to examine it, and it and I don't mean pull out a magnifying glass, but just be a little bit aware of, of how a mind will do this and let our feelings, again, show us, let our feelings of feeling super insecure or not good enough or not measuring up, whether we even recognize the story that was just told or not is completely irrelevant. Those feelings are alerting us, showing us that there is a universal mind process going on and on some level we're buying into it. And it is never, ever, ever accurate. And it will, like never accurate in the real big objective sense. It can't be. It's made of thought. No thought is the truth. It's a thought. If someone else's thought refutes it or a thought you had five minutes ago refutes it, how can it be the truth? No thought is the truth. So these comparisons will find so much evidence for them. Our mind will create so much evidence for them. And they just ever can't be the truth. It's just what a mind does. My new book, Just a Thought, will be out in just three weeks on October 1st. And I'm having a party on that day to celebrate. On Friday, October 1st, I'm hosting a free book launch party where I'll be sharing some inside scoop about the book, the writing process, and I'll be giving away some incredible prizes, including five free seats, totally free seats in the Just a Thought book club. So please RSVP for the party at dramianjohnson.com slash launch party. And I can't wait to see you on the first.